Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Well, good morning again to everyone. We are glad that you've joined us here uh, online for our time of worship. And before we move on to talk about the teaching, I did want to make a special announcement this morning. We haven't been doing many announcements, but this one's uh, rather important. Obviously, a lot of y'all are wondering, when will we be able to gather again in person? Uh, We've taken one step towards it, as you're noticing this week, where we have the worship team together and uh, we are here in the building actually recording together. Uh, But... The the real question is, when can we gather together uh, inside of our building? Well, we had sent out a survey. We we asked for feedback from the congregation. We've also been uh, in consultation with a number of people across the the congregation, especially those who have expertise in medical areas, and uh, they've been giving advice to the elders. And so we wanted to let you know what is going on. The first thing is we are still not planning right now to meet in person inside the building. Uh, we're closely tracking what's going on, what the situation is here locally in our county to determine when that would be best. Our concern is when it is safe and when it is wise, not other things that are going on. We want to try and determine what's best for our congregation. Uh, and so at present, we're going to be continuing to meet with the online Uh, system that we we are doing and will continue to stay in communication with the congregation as we move through this time. But we do want to let you know that we are aware of the need for us to be gathering and for a time of fellowship because as good as it's been with some of the things that we can do via technology, it's not the same thing as being together. So I want to let you know of three opportunities for fellowship and actually worship that are going to be uh, available to us as a congregation. First, there's an opportunity for us to serve together and to actually do our reach. You know, we say love, connect, serve, and reach. Reach being to serve the world, to reach out to the world uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ to uh, to try and help people around us. Uh, We are participating with a number of other congregations in our area to each week put on pop-up pantries that are... uh, reaching out at various areas in our community. We're working with several other churches at Georgetown East Elementary. Every week there will be an opportunity. There's notes in the bridge uh, that where you can uh, click on and sign up. Even if you didn't sign up, you are welcome to come down and volunteer to join with us as we serve. We put together, uh, last week we did it actually at a different location, but we put together over 100 bags of fresh food gave out diapers, Uh, there was fruits and vegetables and bread and other materials that were there to take care of those who are struggling right now financially just to make ends meet. That's going to be a continued opportunity. We also want to let you know, even if you can't come and participate in person, but you would like to help, if you go to the donate page, the give page on our website at brcc.church slash donate, You can choose to give to the Benevolence Fund, and the monies that are coming in for that right now are going out to help people in need, including these pop-up pantries. So that's one way that you can join in with your brothers and sisters. Last week, it was a great time of fellowship for those of us who were together. Second thing, which is going to be new, is 
In the next week or two, you're going to hear there'll be more communication coming out about this, but we are going to begin a number of small outside gatherings that are specifically for the purpose of coming together. We might sing a song, spend some time praying together a little bit and reading some scripture, but we're going to come to the Lord's table together. One of the things we cannot do virtually just because of the nature uh, of communion, communion is something that the church has to be physically gathered to really participate in. So we're going to be gathering in smaller groups uh, here at Bay Ridge on various weeknights. It'll be different nights each week. There'll always be an elder here to help lead us in communion for us to spend time together, but uh, with a special focus of coming to the Lord's table. And then thirdly, uh, and a few weeks after that, we're going to put together a special meeting that'll happen probably on a Sunday evening, but we will get more communication to you where we're gonna gather together for just a time of singing and prayer and again in an even larger group to come to the Lord's table. Again, that will be outside. Those are outside, not inside because it's deemed to be safer right now, especially any kind of singing or anything. It's better to be outside. And so we're trying to do all of this in a safe manner. I should even mention that the communion I just mentioned will not be common loaf as we normally do, nor will it be common cup. It will be the individual packet so that uh, it is safe and we are, we are able to administer it in a manner that uh, lets us participate in the sacrament without us endangering one another, which we don't want to do. So both of those are there. Keep your eyes open. There will be more information coming from uh, the leadership of the church out to the congregation. We encourage you to please keep praying for us. But uh, let's take advantage of gathering together in these ways. Even if we still can't all come together on a Sunday morning right now, we can gather together in fellowship, coming to the Lord's table, and even uh, eventually spend some time in worship outside. So I hope that'll be encouraging to you. Uh, at this point, what I'm going to do is go ahead and pray for God to speak to us and also to our children. And I want to remind you, if you are part of Bay Ridge and you have kids, please check out the children's video each week. Uh, Richard is doing a great job of teaching things to the kids. Stephanie's been doing some stuff to kind of supplement that. It's got information also about the children's ministry lessons. So we encourage you to make sure to do that with your kids so that we keep discipling them. Well, let's go ahead and pray now for God to speak to us. Father, we are so grateful for the work of Jesus Christ, for the truth of your word. Father, we are grateful that you have condescended to speak to us. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that you would come to each and every one of us. Lord, right now, in your providence, we're not able to gather together. But Father, you are able to meet each and every one of us wherever we are. And so Father, I pray for our congregation, from the youngest children to the oldest saints among us, from those who are most mature in the faith to those who are just beginning a walk with Jesus Christ. I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and open our minds and open our hearts that we might receive your word and that it would bear fruit 30, 60, especially 100 times over in us. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this week is actually Pentecost Sunday. 
This is a time where Christians around the world are celebrating that day in which the Holy Spirit was first given to the church. And so I thought we would take a week to look at that first Pentecost. We're particularly going to look at Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where Jesus uh, promised it to us in Acts 1.8 and then we'll also look around in the New Testament to see how the Holy Spirit is here so that we might be empowered by the Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it's up on the screen. I encourage you to read God's word with me. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, for those of you who know me and have known me for any length of time, you know my skill with tools is legendary. Uh, Not since uh, Tim Allen and Home Improvement has there been someone with so many skills as I have with tools. Uh, Actually, if you know me, you'll know that I am one of the few men in history who has ever actually bought a power tool for my wife for her birthday or Christmas, and she was actually happy with me, and I was happy she was getting the tool rather than me. Because Actually, I'm not very good with tools. I know very little about them. But I do know one thing about tools, and that is that power tools are oftentimes better than a manual tool. I have done enough of using a hammer to to nail in things and then using a nail gun to accomplish the same thing to know when you have a pneumatic-powered tool, it's a wonderful thing. You can accomplish so much more in a short period of time. Well, today we're going to look at a similar concept because we're going to see how the Holy Spirit is here to empower us for the ministry that God has given us. How the Holy Spirit is here to empower us for our Christian lives. You and I are not left to our own devices. We're not left to create our own tools. The Holy Spirit is here to empower us for all that God has called us to. So let's dive into our text. Notice in Acts chapter 1, we we see that Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to his people. There at the beginning it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And so Jesus has promised that he's going to send the Spirit. He's telling the disciples on that day, they're still kind of thinking in old Covenant terms are saying, well, you know, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus says, you're thinking about the wrong thing. What you need to know is the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And this is not the first time Jesus has mentioned this. He has been preparing the disciples. In John 14 to 16, he talked about it a lot. But even all the way back in John chapter 7, Jesus had spoken these words. Whoever believes in me As the scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. For up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is talking and he's saying, I'm telling you a time is going to come when my people are going to have streams of living water that flow out of them. And John says, you need to understand Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus had not been glorified yet, 
But John was saying that Jesus was letting us know a new era was coming. And it was going to be an era where the Holy Spirit was going to come upon the people of God and actually fill them and even flow out through them, but only after he was glorified. But it's even important for us to understand this isn't even something that Jesus was the first to speak about. The Apostle Paul tells us the promise of the Spirit has always lay at the heart of God's covenant promises to his people. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Notice what Paul's saying here. He's saying that blessing that was promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 and 22. Paul says, ultimately, that's about the fact that because of Jesus Christ and him fulfilling God's covenant provisions and promises, we're going to receive the promised Holy Spirit. The culmination of God's covenant promises to you and to me all the way from back at the dawn of time, is that God would live among us. He would be our God, and we would be his people. And to do that, Paul says, that promise is ultimately that we would receive the Holy Spirit, that God would not be just out there, separate from us, outside of us, but rather he was going to come to us. The movement of the scripture, if you think about it, is always God coming to us. In fact, when we get to the very end in Revelation 21 and 22, what do we see? We see the new heavens and the new earth descending out of heaven to come down to us. God has promised he was going to come to us, and it is in the person of his Holy Spirit, so that as the Spirit dwells in us, we cry out, Abba, Father, and he looks and says, you are my people, and we say, you are our God. Now, that's the first part that the Spirit's going to come to us. But notice Jesus tells us specifically that the Spirit will come on us in power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, notice that word, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's not just that the Spirit's going to come. He is going to come in power power. And this is also bringing together strands out of the Old Testament. We see in the Old Testament when the Spirit would come on people, very often it would say the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The person is anointed with the Spirit of the Lord and then power comes upon them. For example, in 1 Samuel 16, 13, we read these words about King David. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Notice that that, that idea of anointing. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. So Samuel is saying, David, you're now being anointed to be king. And he actually physically anoints him, but that was an external symbol. The reality was the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. And if you know your Bible, this is 1 Samuel 16. In the very next chapter, David goes out and strikes down Goliath as an evidence of this power that has come upon him. But what's interesting is we read things like this about David and other great characters in the Old Testament, but for them, there were two key differences than there are for us. Number one, 
the Holy Spirit only came upon a few people in the Old Covenant, a few prophets, priests, and kings. But if you were just a regular old everyday Israelite, like you and I are just regular old everyday Christians, the Holy Spirit did not really come upon you. You could go to the temple, you could see where the Spirit was working in ways, but it doesn't say that the Spirit was upon you. He came upon prophets, priests, and kings. But Jesus is promising us, oh no, in the new covenant, it's all changed. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon all of you. The Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh, was Joel's word. Your old men, your young men, your women, your old maidens, your slaves, your free, everybody, the Spirit is going to come upon them now. To be a believer is to have the Spirit with you. But secondly, there's another difference, and that is that even for the people that the Spirit came upon, the, the phrase that was always used is that the Spirit would come upon them. In the New Testament, Jesus said, well, the Spirit's going to be in you and is going to flow out of you. So not only do we all now have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit actually dwells in us. God has come to us and made us his dwelling. He no longer dwells in a temple. Uh, you know, this is the first time I've been back in the building here in a while to spend much time, but this building is not where God lives. This building is not the church. It is not the temple. You are the building of God. You are the temple of God. You are the place where God dwells. Every single believer, the Holy Spirit comes not only upon them, but in them and dwells in them. This is the promise that was coming at Pentecost, that we were to be indwelled, we were to be filled, we were to be overflowing with the Holy Spirit as he would come upon us and in us and through us to empower us for mission. And this is exactly what we read about in Acts chapter 2. Notice in Luke's record as Jesus' promise is fulfilled, notice the language that Luke uses. In Acts 2, 1 to 4, he says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Won't it be good when we can all do that again? And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So notice, when the Spirit comes, there's this external manifestation. There's actually several. We see tongues of fire and all this. But the first thing they noticed was there was a wind. And of course, in Greek and in Hebrew, the word spirit and the word wind are the exact same word. Hebrew, it's ruach. Uh, in Greek, it's panoima. But it's the same word, whether you're using spirit or wind. That's why there can be a play on words uh, like Jesus does in John chapter 3. But notice here, it's not just any wind. It is a violent wind. It is a mighty rushing wind, some translations say. The Spirit comes and He is coming in power. He rushes upon the disciples, but not only does He come upon them, the whole place is filled and all of the disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and then the, the Spirit begins to manifest Himself through them in power. They begin to speak in other tongues. And then as we keep reading in Acts chapter 2, suddenly this small fearful band goes out into the street and Peter begins to preach a powerful sermon. And 
This is Luke recording for us that Pentecost is the fulfillment of all of God's covenant promises and provisions. Everything that we've been looking at in the Old Testament, and we've remember we've been talking about God's covenant earlier in the year, uh, Pentecost is the fulfillment when God says Jesus has fulfilled everything, it is done, it is finished, and now he's ascended to my right hand and the Holy Spirit is poured out and God dwells among and in us. We are his people and he is our God. This is what Pentecost is about. Now, what does it mean to be empowered by the Holy Spirit? What, what is that uh, what is God wanting to happen with us? Well, Jesus tells us that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, the disciples just in the verses before were saying, Lord, when are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? When's everybody going to be coming here? When's everything going to happen here? And Jesus says, no, it's not about them coming here. You're going to go out. And you're going to go out in power because the Holy Spirit is going to empower you for mission. See, the disciples were thinking still, even at that moment, in terms of political power, but Jesus is telling them, no, the Spirit is here to empower you for God's mission. He's empowering you to fulfill the Great Commission. You're not just going to take the word to Jerusalem. You're going to go to Judea. You're going to go to Samaria. In fact, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. Now, that would have seemed like something unbelievable for this small band of disciples. Who would have thought that they were going to go to the ends of the earth. But the answer is they're not going to do it by their power. They're going to do it because the Holy Spirit is going to come on them in power. So the primary reason the Holy Spirit empowers you and me is so that we can be part of fulfilling God's mission in the earth today, so that we can fulfill God's mission for his people. This is why on that day, Peter goes out and suddenly, Peter, who had been cringing behind closed doors the, the week after the resurrection, remember they were fearful, they didn't know what to say. Peter, who had thought he would help Jesus by pulling out a sword and using physical force, now stands up and has incredible insight into the scripture, preaches the word of God powerfully, preaches the word of God to the very people he had been afraid of, and we read 3,000 people are converted on that day. They're converted, they're baptized, they're filled with the Spirit, and then they join the mission. The first and primary reason the Holy Spirit empowers us is to fulfill the mission of God. And the other three reasons I'm going to mention are really ways that we do that. So the second thing we turn to then is we are empowered by the Spirit with spiritual gifts or manifestations of the Spirit to help us serve others as part of the mission. We see in Acts 2, they spoke in tongues that day. That's one of the gifts. But in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul teaches a lot, actually 12 through 14, on spiritual gifts. Notice here on the screen, I've got 1 Corinthians 12, 1, 7, and 11. And notice the terminology Paul uses here. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. 
And in verse 7, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And in verse 11, he says, All of these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Notice in verse 1, he calls them spiritual gifts. In verse 7, he refers to them as manifestations of the Spirit. And in verse 11, he refers to them as the work of the Holy Spirit. These aren't different things. It's different ways of describing the same reality. And that reality is that the Holy Spirit empowers and works through each one. Notice in verse 11, it tells us he gives them to each one just as he determines. If you are a Christian, the Holy Spirit has come to you to empower you, to work through you in a unique and distinct way. God works in each and every believer in a unique way, equipping them to serve God's purposes in the earth. That's what God is coming to us to do. Now, one last thing to note here. Notice that phrase that I've got in a different color up there uh, that, that's in the red where it says it's for the common good. The Spirit does not come and manifest himself and work in me and give me spiritual gifts for my good, but rather for the good of others. It's always to serve in the mission. God has a mission, and you and I, as we always say, are blessed to be a blessing. The Holy Spirit comes upon us and empowers us and gives us gifts and works in us so that we in love can serve other people. So if I were going to define spiritual gifts, we're going to put it on the screen right now. Here's how I've defined them. This was actually in a series I'd done on spiritual gifts years ago. Spiritual gifts are concrete expressions of God's grace manifested by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in order to enable us to serve others in love. Notice this, that they are concrete. What that means is it's not just some nebulous thing. It means it's a very specific way that God wants to work through each one of us. And they are expressions of God's grace. The, the word you may have heard, you know, charismatic, people that talk about spiritual gifts. That's the, the background of our own church. Uh, that word comes from the Greek word that means gift. When Paul says there are spiritual gifts, the word is charismata. Uh, but secondly, notice they're manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It's about how the Spirit works individually in you and I. He has made you unique. God knit you together in your mother's womb. He has brought you forth. He has called you to himself. And when the Holy Spirit works in you, it's going to be unique and distinct and different than the way he works in everyone else. Even if you and I had the same gift, it would look distinct and different in each one of us. And he's doing this to enable us to serve others in love. God is always calling us to mission out, to always be looking out, to always be laboring to see how he wants to serve us. We are always blessed to be a blessing. So the Spirit is empowering each one of us to, via spiritual gifts, workings, manifestations, so that we can serve others in love so that that will uh, further God's mission in the earth. Why do we gather and do the pop-up pantries? 
well, we want to help people, but we're hoping that that is a sign of God's kingdom, that this is a manifestation that God loves and cares, and that we notice that it's the church that is out laboring and serving and caring for others that furthers the mission of God's kingdom. Thirdly, we are empowered by the Spirit to resist sin, embrace righteousness, and obey God. The the word for this we usually use is sanctification. And this is part of the mission. If you and I are going to be on mission and be a witness to Jesus, then we want to be living in accord with righteousness and holiness, not sin. So notice Paul in Galatians 5 says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Notice Paul's very clear here. The Spirit and our sinful nature are at war. They don't want the same thing. Your sinful nature and my sinful nature want us to go in the wrong direction. The Holy Spirit is trying to conform us to the image of Christ. Sin does not want us to follow God and his law. It does not want to line up with God. It wants to line up rather with Satan and his rebellion. Sin does not want us to be engaged in God's mission in the earth. Sin wants everything to be about me, about my rights, about what I want, and I want things to flow towards me. God's Holy Spirit is coming and saying, no, it's not about your rights. It's about you serving others in love. It's not about you gratifying your desires, but how you can be more like Jesus Christ. And here's the good news. See, Paul says this war goes on, and I wish I could tell you. I've, I've been a Christian for 42 years, so I can confidently tell you this. 42 years into this race, that struggle Paul is describing in Galatians chapter 5 is still as real today as it was 42 years ago. There was a time when I was a naive young believer and I thought, I'm getting so holy here, pretty soon sin won't be a problem anymore. I got divested of that notion pretty quick. And here I am still 42 years later, it is still a reality. How can I overcome my sin nature? The answer is the Spirit is powerful in you and me to overcome sin, to help us to embrace righteousness and to engage in God's mission as we serve others in love. You are not left to your own devices. You are not left to your own power. It's not about you doing it. it you, you've got a power tool, as it were. The Holy Spirit is here to empower you to say, I'm going to work. I'm going to conform you to God's image. Even God's law doesn't do it. Notice Paul says, if, you're, if you walk by the Spirit, you're not under law because law cannot deliver you from sin. But God's Holy Spirit can. What the law was unable to do because it's weakened by our sin nature, when God has sent his Son and the Son has poured out the Holy Spirit, it is able to be accomplished in you and me. And so sin siren call is crying out for you and me to pull us off course. But the Holy Spirit is given to lead us in God's way so that we are led by the Spirit and we avoid that siren call and we avoid running aground. We avoid running into destruction. 
And so the call for you and for me, this is the cry of what Pentecost is about, is we are to walk in the Spirit, follow His leading, and the fruit of the Spirit, if you notice, we were looking at Galatians 5, the very next verses are, the Spirit is going to produce this fruit in us. Rather than me producing the works of the flesh, the sinful nature, I now see the Spirit producing fruit in my life. And as we do so, and we're becoming more like Christ, that furthers the mission. So we can say, it's not my natural bent to try and serve others, but the reason I am loving and caring, the reason we do a pop-up pantry or serve at winter relief or go down to the lighthouse or when we do the Easter egg hunt or all these things, why are we doing it? Because we want to serve others because the Spirit is forming and fashioning that heart in us. Final reason, and we'll go to applying the word, is we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to engage in spiritual warfare, to see God's kingdom expanded. Notice in Ephesians chapter 6, we won't read the whole passage, but in verses 10 to 12 and verses 17 to 18, notice how spiritual warfare is, it's, our warfare is always uh, used in spiritual terms. Verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We've seen the Spirit is the power of God coming upon us. Paul says in verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Brothers and sisters, remember that phrase, memorize it. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then down in verse 17, he says, I want you to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So notice here, Paul's telling us, Look, understand, you are engaged in spiritual warfare. It is not a fleshly warfare. The mission that God has called us to accomplish is a spiritual mission. It cannot be accomplished by the arm of flesh. And this warfare requires the power of God. And where do we have the power of God? Well, the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power. And so we are to fight with the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And we fight specifically really by praying in the Spirit. You might be quarantined right now and due to health restrictions, unable to go anywhere, but you can be engaged in God's worldwide mission. You can engage in spiritual warfare without ever leaving your home. You don't even have to get out of bed in the morning and you could engage in spiritual warfare. The mission of God is not advanced by our plans and strategies. It's not advanced by political power and it's not advanced, believe it or not, by snarky social media posts. The kingdom of God is advanced as we engage in spiritual warfare in prayer. If you feel like the kingdom is not advancing as it ought to be, hit your knees. If you feel like the mission of God is not being manifested as you would like to see it in your family, in your neighborhood, in your city, in your nation, in this world, hit your knees. Engage in spiritual 
warfare. The Holy Spirit is given to you because it's not just a few who engage in spiritual warfare. It is a call for every one of us. And again, I remind you, it's not limited by your physical presence. You do not have to go anywhere. You can engage in that right at home. And I urge you to do it. Whatever things you've got that are bothering or troubling you, take them to God in prayer. Let the Spirit empower you in warfare. So let's talk about applying the Word, and this will be fairly brief. Just two simple questions. Number one, am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I being filled with the Holy Spirit? Friends, we are dependent for all of this that I've talked about upon the Spirit. You cannot engage in God's mission. You cannot uh, grow in holiness. You cannot engage in spiritual warfare. Uh, you cannot uh, have any spiritual gifts apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit. So we are dependent upon him. And again, as I say regularly, this begins by coming to Jesus. You can't be engaged in any of this. You don't have the Holy Spirit until you come to Christ. If you are watching and you have not ever turned to Christ, I urge you, look to him. You don't have to earn any of this. It is all the gift of God. And as always, if you want, reach out to our church. You can go to brcc.church and, and contact us, and we would be glad to talk with you about the gospel and what that means. But as a believer, I want to speak to everyone in our congregation. One of the arguments that goes on in the church is an argument about, you know, spirit-filled Christians versus not spirit-filled Christians, and brother, were you filled with the Spirit? Sister, when were you filled with the Spirit? I want to tell you that being a spirit-filled believer is an ongoing need and experience, not a once-for-all event. I have had powerful events in my life where the Holy Spirit came upon me in power, but the real issue is, am I filled with the Holy Spirit now, today? Now, why I say this is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, Paul says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. Notice Paul does a contrast. And I can tell you as somebody who in my youth did get drunk on wine and other types of alcohol, yesterday's alcohol doesn't make you drunk today. If you're going to be under the power of those spirits, it's today. And Paul says, I want you to be filled with the Spirit. But even more importantly, Paul here is speaking to believers and this is hard to get across in the English because it sounds clunky, but the Greek is literally, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be being filled with the Holy Spirit. It is a present, ongoing imperative. It is a, it is a constant need and experience that Paul is pointing out. Each and every day, you and I should not wake up and say, thanks be to God, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1979. The question is, am I filled with the Holy Spirit today? Am I crying out to God today? Has the Holy Spirit come upon me today? Friends, you and I need to regularly cry out for a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit. If we don't, then our walk becomes dry. We start moving from power tools, as it were, to very manual tools. Everything starts to clunk and slow down. This is why if you notice, actually, very often at the end of the meeting, 
when we come to the Lord's table or I'm just praying, I pray for the Holy Spirit to fall fresh on us and fill us. That's not just some words to fill the air. That is our need. As a church, as families, as individuals, we need to be crying out regularly, daily, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on me, fill me, mold me, use me for your kingdom and for your purposes. And so in a moment, we're going to sing and then we're going to pray and I want to encourage you, cry out to God today. Now, the second question, and as, as we're doing this, the worship team is going to come to the stage to lead us in a concluding song. The second question is, where do I need the Spirit's power most right now? Now on the screen, we're putting back up these four areas that we've talked about. So I want you to notice here, the first area that I, I talked about was zeal and power for God's mission in the earth. The Spirit is given that we might be witnesses to Jesus. So do you need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit because you're lacking zeal or you feel like you're lacking power for God's mission in the earth? Maybe you say, I haven't even really thought about God's mission in a while then maybe the Spirit is calling to you today to cry out for a fresh filling for that zeal and power. Secondly, maybe it's spiritual gifts to serve others in love. Maybe you say, I don't even know what my spiritual gifts are. Friends, the Holy Spirit wants to manifest himself through you, each and every one. It's not for a few, it's for every one of us. Do you need a fresh filling with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you need, Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. Gifts aren't just a once for all thing. Is the Holy Spirit being manifested in your life? Maybe he wants to stir up gifts in you so that you can serve other people in love. The third way is, are, do we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to resist sin, embrace righteousness, and obey God? Maybe what you're needing is you're saying, you know what? During this time, these last couple of months, I've gotten kind of slack and, I, and I've fallen back into some bad habits. The Holy Spirit is here to empower you to resist sin, to embrace righteousness and to obey God in thought, word, and deed. Maybe you need a powerful, fresh filling of the Holy Spirit for that. Or fourth, maybe it's empowerment by the Holy Spirit for spiritual warfare. Maybe you say, my walk's good. I've been walking in holiness. I'm doing okay in my walk against sin. But you know what? I don't remember the last time I really was crying out in prayer and doing spiritual warfare for my family or my neighborhood. Then maybe today, as we're singing this song and as we pray together at the end, cry out for the Holy Spirit. I want you to look at those four things. We'll have them on the screen here. Which of these is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about today? Which of these areas is he wanting to work in your life? And as we're going to sing and worship and then pray, I want us to ask each of us for a fresh filling and specifically ask for that area. So think about that and have that fixed. We're going to worship and then we will uh, come back together for the concluding uh, prayer. Oh, Holy Spirit, as the sun is full of light, the ocean full of water, and heaven full of glory, so may my heart be full of you. All the Father's purposes of love and the redemption wrought by Jesus Christ are in vain unless you work within, 
regenerating by your power, giving me eyes to see Jesus, showing me the realities of the unseen world. Give me yourself without measure, as an overflowing fountain, as inexhaustible riches. Holy Spirit, I confess how often I can feel coldness, poverty, emptiness, prayerless prayers, praiseless praises. Oh, help me not to grieve or resist you. Come now in power to expel every rebel lust, to reign supreme and keep me. Come as teacher, leading me into all truth, filling me with all understanding. Come as love, that I may adore my Father and love Him as my all. Come as joy, to dwell in me, move in me, animate me. Come as light, illuminating the Scripture, molding me in its truths. Come as sanctifier, making my body, soul, and spirit wholly yours. Come as helper with strength to bless and keep, directing my every step. Come as beautifier, bringing order out of confusion and loveliness out of chaos. Holy Spirit of the living God, fill me that I might walk in holiness, pray in power, serve in humility, and spread the name of Jesus throughout my family, my community, and the world. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, friends, Take this word of benediction and receive God's blessing and go forth to bless others. May the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better, having the eyes of your heart enlightened so that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints and His incomparably great resurrection power for everyone who believes in him. Go forth full of the Holy Spirit, overflowing with blessings, and be a blessing to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.